This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have a friend of mine, uh, Bill Lewis. Bill's taught for us several times at HITS seminars, and he does uh, seminars uh, across the country. I've met Bill several times, been to a couple of his uh, seminars, that he, they're multi-day seminars, where he talks a lot about uh, you know he, why we do things that get us in trouble or how we do things that get us in trouble, and uh, even puts out a, a newsletter called The Reasons We Get Into Trouble, and that's the class he's taught for us at HITS. And it's been a very, very well-received class, and it, it always leaves you thinking, you know, uh, different things that should I be doing this or not doing this? And why do we do certain things and we get better and everything? So I've always really enjoyed over the, the years I've known Bill to be able to pick his mind a little bit and, and just maybe learn some things every time thinking about how we can improve our industry. So with that, let me uh, introduce Bill. How are you doing today, Bill? I'm doing really great. Can you, uh, for our listeners, can you just give us a little bit of ba- background about, uh, you know, I know you're retired now, but Tell us about uh, your, your police career and then how you got into doing this type of uh, lectures. I got started in police work in California. I worked at the Oxnard Police Department uh, for almost 28 years. Oxnard is located just about an hour, hour and a half north of Los Angeles. During my time there, a lot of assignments, but the ones most pertinent uh, today would probably be I was a canine handler. I was a canine supervisor. And I worked uh, on our SWAT team for over 25 years. When I retired back in December of 2005, I stayed involved in the canine world. And I have been uh, used as an instructor for SWAT integration classes and tactical classes. And I was asked one time to do a four-hour class on liability and report writing, which evolved into the two-day class now that I teach called Canine Liability 360. As you mentioned, it is a good a good explanation is it's, it's trying to keep people out of trouble sure um, from the liability perspective and so I, I just tackle it from that perspective and when people get a hold of me uh, I do consulting I do expert witness work you know I answer me emails almost on a daily basis with one question or not and I'm just out there trying to keep handlers out of troubles and supervisors as well yeah absolutely and departments too as well I'm sure you you can guide departments uh, into the correct Correct lane a lot of times, Oh, absolutely. Too. Absolutely. And over the years, uh, we talked about this a minute before we started the show, over the years, um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, too, and uh, different times people have said, like, I, for instance, I remember when tasers were getting popular, uh, an officer told me one time, well, we won't need police dogs anymore because we've got tasers. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, tasers don't <laughs> smell. They don't go out ahead of you. You know, it was a naive statement. Didn't, didn't even phase me. I thought that's pretty stupid when we reinvested in our department to a helicopter. Some people said, oh, we won't need police dogs because we were putting the helicopter back up. Well, that's stupid because we still got to go find the guy, you know. So it never bothered me. But in the climate we're in and in the crap that we've been through in the last month or year, I'm sorry, in our profession, you know, worst worst year of my uh, 32 years for sure, everything's kind of on the table. So I always read your reasons we get into trouble newsletters and you put out one last week and that was what I would kind of uh, talk to you about coming on. And, and when we're talking about trying to keep people out of trouble, boy, now more than ever is a good time to really put your head on a swivel. And you talk about canine liability 360. I think 
every every handler should look at themselves, their training, their unit, their department, and look at every bit of it right now and start trying to think about, you know, how can we do things better and what can we do to stay out of trouble? So are there some trends you're seeing based on, you know, the, the crap we're going through in our profession um, as far as how you think maybe police dogs, specifically patrol dogs, are, you know, could be more exposed uh, than they have been in the past? Yes. In fact, uh, and I think you, you hit it well. I mean, we have, you know, the, the calls for police reform and we have people who just really don't like the police or don't like police dogs. And for years and years and years, you know, the, the police dogs have survived. We've survived. But we're really under attack like probably no other time before us. And one of the things we have to face is that we're not infallible. And we have to do things to show we're doing the right things. And um, some of the things out there that really concern me and that, uh, again, are, uh, and it's as simple as this, it's the bite. Yeah. When the police dog bites someone, um, we're coming under more scrutiny than ever before. Um, the use of force, excessive force, and how we show we're doing the right things is critical. And a lot of people sometimes just sit back and wait for things to come to them. But I don't think that's the case anymore. And uh, I just wrote a recent article on that regarding bite ratios. Yeah. And, and what's amazing to me is that, as I say in the article, for years, I've really been an advocate against keeping standard bite ratios. And one of the reasons I was against it is because a lot of people said, well, that's how you're going to judge the effectiveness of your canine program. And that's not true. No. It's a number that shows the number of bites you got based on either your deployments or the suspects found. And again, I'm still not a big fan of it, but now I say those numbers really work in our favor uh, to show that we're not using these police dogs to bite everyone. Exactly. And that's the uh, allegations being made. There's some articles that have come out the last year dealing with these bites and they're dealing strictly with bites and some of them, you know, might've been justified. Some of them were accidental, but they're dealing with the bites and they're not categorizing them based on ratios of, well, as for example, I mean, if your bite ratio is 14%, they're not reporting on the 86% of people that were located uh, and not bitten. Exactly. And so we have to turn the tide and show this is what we're doing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I've been the same way. I've always thought uh, I didn't like bite ratios because I thought each each use of force should be analyzed under its own umbrella and looked at. And I mean, you might have, depending on your assignment, you might work, uh, you know, an area where, uh, and when I say area, I don't mean geographical area. You might say if you're a, uh, if you're on a SWAT team where you're not doing quite as many searches, but most of the searches end up in, you know, perimeter where you're, you know, it's a armed suspect or whatever, you know, you might be getting more bites because of your, your duties or whatever, or you might work in a, an area where you do way more, say drug stuff and just a little bit of patrol stuff. So you go five, six, seven years without a bite. You can't, you know, those numbers are vastly different depending on. And also, uh, they don't look at the crimes. Yeah. They don't look at what, why were you sending your dog in the first place? Uh, they don't, they don't look that because that would justify, the, the large percentage of our bites, you yeah. know, and again, you're right as well. What's your, wh- where do you work? You know, the experience of a canine handler in one jurisdiction might not be the same as somebody else in a high crime rate area where they're biting everybody left and right. 
Yeah. But even in those situations, we found that their their percentages of bites are still low, despite the numbers, sure. to again show, hey, we don't bite everyone. Sure. And this is probably a good time to even, uh, you know, maybe take a good good look, at, like I said, at, at your unit. Maybe if you know, you're know you honest with yourself and your unit and you there might be some places to tighten up, and that might be an area where, you know, maybe tighten up your, your deployments because unfortunately I, I really i worry that we're like one video away from having a wave of chiefs and sheriffs saying nope we're not doing this anymore and what i what i well yeah and when what i when i've mentioned that one of the i get a little bit of feedback one of them was well because of our safety we'll use dogs because it's safer for us well that's a naive statement because people don't care about cop safety i mean it's sad to say but that's not in the forefront of of you know, our safety is in it. I've heard, you know, that the, the, some of the courts are more conservative, so they're on our side. Well, it, it, again, if a, if a sheriff or a chief sees a video they don't like and they say, hey, you know what, I'm never going to be in that spot, that canine unit is done, it's done, period. Yeah. Well, and, and not just chiefs and sheriffs, but the legislators. Yes, I mean, exactly. the state of Washington, the state of New Jersey, um, they're going through these reforms where, and again, even in Washington, uh, it originally started off like every police dog must be leashed. Yeah. And that evolved into no police dogs. And I was contacted from some handlers and, and helped put some information to refute the information that was being put out in favor of that. And I thought at the time they had, I'd gotten an email from one of the handlers and said, hey, they dropped it. But somebody else recently got back to me and says, it's still kind of out there. Ooh. So I don't know if they've completely done that. But here again, it was the factual information. And I just read this uh, recently, too. And I believe the, uh, the estimate was police dogs, police dog bites, or the police dogs uh, have put 35,000 people into the hospital. Now, that's all it says. No, that's, time, again, no time frame. The country. Yeah, and no time no, frame. Uh, I, I think it was an annual. They think oh. annually it was 35,000. Now, when I first read that, and I didn't go back and do my research because I thought it was like 3,500, yeah. that seems like a small number. Yeah. But let's just say 35,000 across the country. I still think that's large. But, I do. again, that's just an arbitrary number. What does it mean? Uh, how many times have you had a suspect go to the uh, hospital and they put a Band-Aid on exactly. him and he, went to, and he went to jail? Exactly. Yeah, he was in the hospital, but yeah. the extent of the injury wasn't a big deal. And we don't have that information. Once again, did 35,000 people go to the hospital who also then went to jail? Exactly. And so those are some of the, uh, the the facts that are out there that, again, are being used against us because they're not clarifying anything that, you know, is contrary to what they want to sell. Sure. So let's back up just a minute. And some of the people that uh, some of our listeners haven't been around maybe as long as you and I have. And let's kind of talk about where did the bite ratio thing come from and how long has that been around? <laughs> You know, really, when the, the bite ratio really got ground, in my opinion, in the Kerr versus uh, City of West Palm Beach yeah. case, and I'm thinking that that was around 1989 or so. Yeah, I believe That's so. really when it came to the forefront. And the purpose, uh, again, what they were using it for and what the expert witness said was that uh, this was a way to measure effectiveness of, of a canine unit. And if you had a bite ratio, I believe the number was 30%. That was an indicator that you weren't doing things right. Yeah. It also went as far to say that at the 20% level, then you should begin investigating that that handler with that dog. And, and here's where, again, I always said that 
that doesn't prove anything. No. What's the difference between no. 19% and 20%? Yeah. And if you investigate every bite, you, you don't have to wait for a 20% exactly. threshold. Exactly. Every bite, like you had mentioned earlier, every bite should be investigated on its own, determined to be justified or not, and we go from there. Exactly. So I've always been of the same opinion as you that I, I never liked bite ratios and kind of argued against them. And we went through a few different, um, when I was still a patrol dog handler, a few different uh, times where our administration wanted us to track them, didn't. There was different ways they were tracked. Sometimes, I mean, it, 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 like everything, you know, in any profession, it turns into kind of a numbers game, I think. So to me, it never really, uh, you could have a, a handler who was, not behaving correctly and his ratios are going to look good because, you know, he makes sure his numbers look good. So I, I've always been a big advocate, you know, obviously to investigate in each, each incident of use, each use of force incident, you know, properly all on its own. But when I read your article the other day, I think you made some really good points. So from going from a staunch, uh, no bite ratio, just outline a couple of things you put in your article, if you will, uh, talk about, you know, what, what we should be doing now and how that can actually be used in our favor. Well, uh, again, as you, uh, if you continue to keep the traditional bite ratio, and I will just say this too, because you, you just mentioned it, there are different ways to accumulate your stats. A lot of people will use the bite ratio as the number of suspects bitten versus the number located. Now, me personally, and, I, and this comes from experience on actually defending uh, uh, two handlers one time, for accidental bites. Yeah. So when you deploy your dog, the, every time you deploy your dog, in my opinion, there's an opportunity for a exactly. bite to occur, whether you locate a suspect or not. Yep. And, uh, you know, bystanders and other cops have been bitten. Uh, so that's just part of what happens. Does that skew the numbers in favor of the agency? It does. But again, what is the intent of keeping a bite ratio? I had the chief, my, my chief brought me into the, into his office one time and asked me, Bill, what's our bite ratio? And, and first thing I, and cause I was kind of a smart ass, but I said, why do you want to know? And yeah. said, my, why do you want to know chief? <laughs> and he goes, well, I was at lunch with some other chiefs at the uh, IACP conference and they were talking about their bite ratios and I have no clue. And I told him, I don't either. Yeah. I said, I don't track them. And I explained why I didn't, and he said, okay. And I go, Chief, do you want me to get the bite ratios? He goes, no. If you're not keeping track, I don't need to keep track. And we were done. Yeah. But, but you know, how people use that sometimes, again, when you deploy your dog, most of the times you should anticipate a bite. But when, people, when they can't get to them, all the inaccessible people that are out there, the bite ratios, you know, they're low. Sure, sure. The other thing, you know, again, in using these is that if, is, is policies. What does your policy say is the primary use of your dog? Most of them, there's two, there's two things that are out there. One, it's a primarily a locating tool. Well, if that's its primary function, your bite ratios will probably prove that to be true with the lower numbers. Nobody out there has got 100%, but, you know, you're doing your 5 your 10 your 15%. It's showing, well, what happened in the other cases? He located yeah, them. Exactly. He found them. Found them. We took them into custody. Everything was cool at the end of the day. And so that's the other one, too, is the, to locate and apprehend. And those should be considered two separate functions, but if that's what you're doing, locating, 
and potentially apprehending people, what's the percentages that show that you were locating people? Most of those cases, 100% of the time, you're locating people. So that's a pretty good uh, ratio as far as finding. How many of those got bit? 14%, 12%, 8%. And what's really important, I think, for handlers is these are factors sometimes that we have to take into consideration each time we let go of that collar and send our dog out. Is there going to be a bite at the end of this? That I mean, that should be on our minds, uh, depending on what your environment is sitting out in front of you. But that's got to be on your mind. Absolutely. And if it's justified, boom, go get them. Yeah. Let me throw in a point here, though. That, and I liked when you said, you know, when you let go of the collar. But I think one of the places where we're a little deficient is not just when you let go of the collar, you're constantly reevaluating. And I think... Uh, oh, absolutely. I think sometimes we're not doing that correctly. I think, you know, facts change or things change and that's like, well, nope, I was good, good, good at the end of the street. So now halfway up the block, I'm still good. And now things have changed. Yeah, maybe. well, it, it, even the class that you teach, you know, on the, the tactical clearing and, and yeah. things, like that, those are considerations. And I actually wrote um, um, an article one time, a reason, that, and I called it circumstances changing exactly. that aren't really put into reports sometimes, but just exactly what you said. When you start off, this is the criteria. These are the justifications that I use to deploy this dog and get a bite. Boom, you go. You don't find them right away. Maybe you continue yard to yard to yard, and maybe and things are changing. A lot of times we yeah. ignore that and just go with our very first instinct at the very first deployment instead of maybe down on that ninth or tenth yard. Exactly. And I think, you know, just to, for one more thing for people to think about, I think where you can improve that is through – stress decision-making scenarios in training. And, and we don't, I don't think a lot of times we do those enough where you could, you know, put the handler under some stress and, and maybe it turns into no longer a dog dealer, no longer a bite deal. Maybe it turns into a SWAT deal or something and make them make some decisions while you're training in the middle of scenarios. And hopefully, you know, that'll be a, yeah, that, well, that's, I think we're very lacking in our scenario based training that involve decision-making for the handler. I agree. A lot of our training is pretty much directed at the dog. I agree. And we're not, we're not giving in. I like the, you know, the old shoot, no shoot training that we've all gone through. Yeah. It's the deploy or don't deploy training that we also have to have for um, our dogs and handlers. I agree. And hopefully, uh, you know, we talked before the show about uh, getting on here for several ones. And I think these, a lot of these topics you and I could discuss a whole show on. Um, so <laughs> kind of going back to the bite ratio, though. So what you're advocating now, keep track of them. Where do you go with that? Are you, do you, is there a number you're advocating with? Or how, how do you advocate as far as, um, you know, like we talked about, you know, homeowners or we call them citizen encounters. But what is your opinion on one number divided by the other number? Where do, we, where, where do you recommend we get these numbers from for the ratio? You know what? I'm 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 good with either one. I when I was asked actually later on after I had my conversation with the chief, I did have to to look at it. But I went deployments. How many times you deployed this dog, and how many times is it bitten? Other people are very you know they're very adamant. Well, if if there was nobody hidden in the building, then that shouldn't count. Well, again, your dog's out doing a job. Exactly. Um, And so if you want to make it, it's got you have to find a suspect. You know what? I'm okay with that. I mean, if the, and, and a lot of people, you know, feel one way or the other. But for me personally, I'm going to go with deployments. And 
you know what? I might even keep on the side the number of suspects that were involved as like a secondary ratio that I can have. You know, with a lot of these software programs out there, it's not a big deal to keep no. track of, of either one of them. You can go based on deployments because all you're doing is a little math. Exactly. Here's the number of deployments. Here's the number of bytes. Boom. Here's what it equals. Here's the number of suspects, you know, located. Here's the number bit. Boom. You could keep both. The other one that just, again, very briefly that, that I really, I started advocating, and this was based on an agency that where DOJ actually came in, and they actually at one point were advocating this bite ratio thing with the 20% number. And they told the agency, if you have a dog that has a bite ratio over 20%, you need to replace that dog. That's what DOJ told this agency. And so I wrote a memo on their behalf, which became an article later on. I changed a few things. But it got back into what we talked about earlier, the justification. And I called it the justification, the justified bite ratio. Sure. How many bites were justified? Your goal, of course, is 100%. And if you investigate each one of them, you'll have those numbers. So there's another ratio that could be out there. But I'd much rather say, hey, our justified bite ratio, the number of bites that we've had that were investigated and determined to be justified is 100%. Or it's 98%. Or it's 96%. Instead of, you know, our bite ratio, just our standard bite ratio is uh, 18%. That doesn't tell me anything. Not a bit. It truly doesn't. So, so as far as advocating, Hey, you know what? It's easy to keep track. It's just whatever, you know, your, your staff, your administration, your canine people want to keep track of, but either one of them, you can keep both sets of them and still use them to show how they're being used in your program. So is, is your point then, you know, now switching, switching from not wanting to do bite ratios and now wanting to do them, is your thought process more just to have those numbers ready because not if your your unit is attacked, it's going to be attacked. When that happens, have that ammunition ready to go. I think that's the that's how every agency needs to react now. Not just with buy ratios, but anything that you're doing, just assume you're gonna come under attack. Assume your state legislation is gonna try to outlaw police dogs and 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 assume that your chief or sheriff is going to like have second thoughts. Uh, because it might be the popular thing to uh, to say or do versus the right thing to do. Exactly. So any of these things that you could start putting together, it, it, it only makes your unit better. You know, if yeah. this is what, you know, your primary function is, is to locate people. Okay, well, are we doing, and you ask yourself, are we doing that? Yeah. And you, well, we are. Because, and I just, I did, a, I recently did an evaluation on a program. I don't do that very often, but I did one for them. And I really found out, and we're, we, are, we are turning it around, and we are getting ready for any attacks in the future with that agency. But they're defending a lot of the things that normally, if things are going good, we don't spend a lot of time really evaluating our programs. Yeah, yeah. And you can self-evaluate so easy just by reading the local papers, the news, and all that. You know where people are being attacked, and you just have to put yourself in that position and say, hey, if they come after us, are we going to be ready? Yep, and if you take that approach, you'll be ready. And I think if you're if if you're if you're ready and you give you know honest, good, you know information right off the bat, they're going to move on and they're going to try and find the low hanging fruit of a department. Doesn't mean it's a bad agency or a bad program. Just means they're not ready. And I think they're going to go after that one and try and nitpick them. 
Oh, absolutely. And again, with the bites, the bites is the prevalent thing that they're using against us because they're, you know, they're almost killing people and they did kill two people. And so we have to be able to say, wait a minute, you know, at our place, you know, 90% of the suspects we, we find using our dogs are not bitten or the amount of people that go to the hospital, you know, nothing major, the serious bodily injury, not involved. And so if you have that information available, boom, you're ready to refute yeah. it when they come after you. And I think that's important too to to um, really start uh, in some way being able to explain that you know no one it's not pleasant to get bit by a police dog. No one wants that encounter, but it's not as vitriolic as these uh, people who don't like us are going to paint it to be. And unfortunately, you can get on YouTube and you can see some dog bites police dog bites where they yeah. can't get the dog to release and different things. Right. And they're going to try and paint it with a broad stroke showing this is what happens every time you and I know it doesn't. But so if we can uh, also, you know, I think being ready to show, yeah, the guy went to the hospital and he was there for five minutes. They uh, gave him one band aid, sent him on to jail. I think those are, right. are really important things to have ready to go, not have to say, we'll get back to you later on that and take a month while they write up their story. Right, and, and and we've seen these articles, the, the people they do find, and, and of course they, they share the ones, the, the innocent bystander. Yeah. And you know what? That is truly unfortunate. That really is. Yeah. But, it's, but it's a rarity. It's a rarity that those uh, occur. I've seen some of these horrendous bite photos, and again, they show the ones usually that uh, there's no crime involved. Yeah. So it goes back into, again, decision-making or control of your dog. What, what led up to that? accidental bite or what were you doing to try to you know prevent that so it, it falls back on to, to, to our training exactly. how are we training our people to prepare for that exactly so bill i appreciate you jumping on i, I know you're, you're a busy guy but uh, i really want to get deeper into the woods with you on several other topics so hopefully in the very near future we can get you back on here and we'll pick uh, a couple of things from your classes that are you know they're very good information and then uh, go a little bit deeper into it if that's good with you yeah no that'd be great and I, I know your classes are usually two-day classes, so, you know, obviously we can't go over all the information there, but your classes are excellent. I've been to a couple of them. I know you got some classes coming up. Can you give uh, some places that they can look for the list of your upcoming classes? The, the best place to, to get information would be on my website, and that's Tactical Canine USA, and the canine is with a K. If you go to that, tacticalcanineusa.com, okay. um, and that's got the, the information on the classes, it's got over 40 reasons we get in trouble uh, written out, as well as some other articles that I've got on there. But that will uh, uh, make note of the classes I've got coming up in Washington, Colorado, um, and California. Okay, excellent. And I'll, uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well as your contact information. But do you want to throw out your email here in case the uh, guys are listening and they just want to jot it down? It's uh, S-G-T-B, as in Bill, Lewis number two at aol.com so as you're looking at it, it looks like sergeant b lewis two at aol.com did you say aol i'm sorry <laughs> yeah aol it's still around yeah. some you... people still use it <laughs> oh, that sounds good so i appreciate it bill and uh you know people who check out your classes if you guys get an opportunity to, to go and, and hear bill's uh, two-day class whether you're a, a young handler or a veteran handler, it's well worth it. If you're an old guy like me, you might might be a refresher on some things, but it'll jeff, de- definitely jog your mind, and uh, you'll also definitely learn some new stuff. So Bill's always updating the class. So I highly recommend his class. Hopefully uh, 
people check it out and, and come to one. I know you're going to be here in my neck of the woods real, real soon. So I'm sure I'll get together with you and have a beer with you then. Sweet. That'll be good. Okay. Thanks again, Bill. All right. Thank you. Thank you.